0: Welcome to the Holistic Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly Ann Marsden, a holistic psychologist, Reiki master, and astrologer. On this show, you'll discover practical information from both Eastern and Western medicine, as well as ancient cultures, to empower you to live vibrantly. So join me on this powerful journey into transforming all facets of being human, spirit, mind, physical body, and emotions. Welcome on today's episode. We are talking about the art of healthy thinking. So everybody does it. We all think sometimes we may speak before we think, but we all think. And one of the things that you may or may not realize is that we do a lot of thinking. We it's estimated that most of us have about 60,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot. That's a lot going on for our brain. And if we're going to put that much firepower into something, we want to make sure that it's going in a direction that's useful for us because obviously there's a lot of, that's a lot of thoughts and those thoughts do create our future. And so we want to make sure that we're using them wisely. All 60,000, or in my case, it feels like I have about 120,000 a day. Everybody's different, but my mind tends to go pretty fast. For those of you that are astrology buffs, um, my Mercury, which is your way of thinking, is in Libra. I'm an air sign, so my mind is quick, it is fast, and it likes to go, go, go. And I know I'm not alone in that. There's a lot of us in this world that have minds that need some help slowing down and shutting down. But that being said, while it's on and it's operating, we want to make sure that it's operating in a way that is healthy for us. So today what I want to spend some time talking about is just bringing our awareness to the thought that the majority of our thinking is actually the automatic scripts. These automatic scripts that we have that we may, may or may not be aware of where we have tendencies to think in certain patterns. And so those thoughts are just rolling around in our head, either consciously or in the subconscious. And it's time, hopefully for some of you today, to challenge and take a look at those scripts and say, hey... Are those the thoughts I really want to be running around in my head? Are those helping me or are they not? And if they're not, how do I change them into something that's going to make my life flow in the direction I want it to? So, obviously, as usual, the first thing we need to do is we need to become aware of what actually is going on. And that's a big issue for a lot of us, and that takes time, it takes effort, it takes really just mindfulness and taking the time to stop and really check in with what's going on. And, you know, one of the things I say all the time is where your attention goes, your energy flows. So if your attention in the form of your thoughts is on how hard it is to get through the day, how tired you are, how bored you are, how unhappy you are. Guess what? That's where your energy is going to go into all those places. So that's not going to make you feel more energetic. It's not going to give you more energy. It's not going to make your life feel more exciting. It's going to have the opposite effect. So we want to make sure that our thoughts are aligned with where we're wanting to go to not maybe where we are in that exact moment, but where we are heading towards. So a lot of times it's it's hard to even know what we're thinking because we're so busy. We're so busy that we're just doing. And sometimes we're doing kind of like robots or machines of some sort where we're just so busy doing what we're thinking. And, you know, oh, I have to get you know, I have to go and I need to go to the grocery store and I need to get this, or I need to get this for my class. I need to do this at work. I need to do this for my girlfriend or boyfriend or my children, et cetera. So what happens is it becomes one thought after another about the tasks of the day. And I used visualization and thinking, you know, when I was an athlete at university of Tennessee, I would think about my performance, I would visualize my performance, and I did it every day before practice. And that year was my most um, effective as a a swimmer in my life. You know, that was the year I became an All-American and set all kinds of records and had all kinds of personal accomplishments. And a lot of that was because of where I was directing my thoughts. And we'll talk a little bit about not only where I was directing them, but how I was responding in my thinking to what was happening in my environment as well. So, you know, our thoughts can help us or hurt us. And it's our choice. It's our choice. The thoughts aren't things that come out of nowhere, they're things that we own, we create. And that's the great thing about it, because we get the choice, we have the free will, and we can really create what we want by how we use those 60,000 or so thoughts a day. Imagine the power you have if you harness even half of those towards what you want in life. Very powerful. Very, very powerful indeed. And we know from all the work that's been done in psychology, particularly um, Dr. Martin Seligman has done a ton of work on cognitive style, the way we think. You can talk talk about his explanatory style, attributional style, but it's the way we explain how things happen to ourselves. It's the way that we think. And there's a huge, massive amount of literature on optimism versus pessimism, and how that affects health, physical health, and mental health. And that these styles in our way of thinking really impact not only our how we feel emotionally, but they impact our physical health as well. So for example, if I'm saying things to myself, you know, like, you know my life sucks it's never going to get better i'm i you know i'm in a bad relationship and you know that's all i seem to attract if i'm saying these kinds of things to myself emotionally i'm not going to feel real great because everything i'm saying to myself is just energetically bringing me down you know vibrationally but it's also setting me up to have no way out and whenever we create thoughts that mean that there's no hope and that there's no outlook for us you know what happens people give up people you know you don't feel well with that and you know, that mindset definitely um, is going to have you experiencing some negative emotions, potentially depression, sadness, all things which serve a purpose in our life, but we want to be aware of what we're doing that's contributing to things. And if there's anything we can do to create something different, we want to do that. So physiologically speaking, if I'm bombarding myself with all of these thoughts that are creating a picture for my my body that everything is bad, it's not going to get any better, I don't have any skills, I don't have any friends, you know, nobody cares about me. If I'm saying all these things to myself, what happens is, my body's gonna have a stress response. And if I'm having that response for a long period of time, my physical health is going to be impacted as well. Because we're not designed to have chronic stress all the time. It's not the way the human body is meant to work. We are very resilient. We are very resilient, but part of our resiliency comes from getting ourselves out of that state of crisis into a place of peace and rest and relaxation and rejuvenation. And one of the ways we can do that is by what we're thinking. So back to our cognitive style, If I get a promotion at work, if you get a promotion at work or you get an A on a test and you can have a response to that, you know, most people would say that's a, that's a, that's a great thing happening. Any positive thing that happens in your life that like that, you know, you are going to give yourself, you're going to tell yourself a story, basically, is what you're going to do. You're going to tell yourself a story. Now I'm going to give you two scenarios. So in first story, First time I say to myself, wow, great job, Kim. You really earned that. You really earned that promotion. You worked very hard. You always work very hard. And you have an incredible skill set. And I'm sure that you're going to make even more gains at work in the future because of who you are and how you work. And then let's say the second scenario, I say to myself, wow, I got that promotion. Wow, that was pretty lucky. I don't think that'll happen again. I guess the boss just felt sorry for me. You know, this will probably be the only promotion I get ever. And um, glad I got it, but don't see that happening again. That kind of luck doesn't usually come my way. Well, those are two very huge, different reactions because in the first scenario i basically said to myself i took i took it i took on responsibility for that great thing happening right i said i'm fabulous <laughs> i'm fabulous i have skills i work hard i gave myself the credit and i said in addition to the fact that you know it's internally about me i said that in the future I expect that more of those things are going to happen to me because it's not specific to this situation. It's global. It's going to happen to me all the time. It's going to happen to me all the time. And, um, that enables me to have these kinds of things. It, it gives me credit for it and it enables it to be something that I can do again and again. Whereas in the other scenario, I did not take credit for getting the promotion. I said that it was because of luck. It was something outside of me. And it was, you know, a temporary thing. I don't expect it to happen again. And it was specific just to the situation. So right there in that scenario, I'm setting myself up not to get a boost from this promotion. I'm setting myself up. My thoughts are setting me up to not um, have this type of experience again because I'm not owning it in a way that enables me to not just enjoy it emotionally but to cognitively set the expectations that this is what's going to happen in my life and it's important when in positive events it's important in any situation but the one that seems to be even more damaging is when we look at what happens in what most people would call negative events or when you know bad things happen and in life you know things are going to happen that may on the surface look bad Whether they truly are or not is another thing for another conversation for another day. But let's take a situation. Let's just use a athletic performance. Let's just say that you know that an that you don't get the results that you want in a sporting event. You don't win your game. You don't get your best time if you're a tracker or swimming athlete, or you don't win the game, whatever sport you're playing. So what can happen there is that you're going to tell yourself a story. You're going to tell yourself a story about why that was, why you didn't perform up to your expectations in that athletic performance. It can be the same thing at school or work, no different. Okay, so let's say we have two different swimmers. So we're going to name the first one Beth and the second one Mike. So Beth gets up and she swims her event. She swims a 200 freestyle. She comes into the wall. She sees her time. And it is not her best time. She's not thrilled with it. And immediately inside her mind, she starts saying things to herself. You know, like, man, I just can't seem to get any faster. I guess I'm never going to break, you know, 150 in the 200 fray. It's just outside of my reach. I just don't have what it takes. I don't even know. I don't even know if I should keep doing this. I'm doing all this work and I just don't seem to be getting any faster. And I'm not sure what, I, what whether I'm going to continue swimming. Okay. So now what has she done? She's said to herself that it's her fault that she didn't do a faster time. She said that she doesn't have what it takes. So that's permanent. So. It's permanent and it's going to affect, you know, swimming in general. It's not just this particular race. So, unfortunately, Beth set herself up to not be able to move forward from from the disappointment of her time in the tuna freestyle, which is going to affect her motivation, her emotions, a whole bunch of other things. But we're just sticking with the thoughts right now. Now we go over to Mike. And Mike swims a freestyle and he comes in and he does a minute 45 and he's not thrilled with it. He wanted to go faster. So Mike's internal dialogue looks something like, dang, I, I wish I'd gone faster today, but you know, I'm not fully rested for this. And so I'm sure once I talk to coach and we look at it, we're going to figure out how to make sure that for the next dual meet, I have a little more speed so I can finish the finish the race and, and finish strong instead of having such a, a slow finish. You know, something about today, I didn't have the strength I needed to be able to kick it in, you know, all the way into the wall, but I'm going to go get ready because I got the 400 IM coming up, so I'm going to go to the warm-down pool and loosen up. Now, Mike's disappointed. Mike's still disappointed, and he's going to have whatever emotional feelings he has, but the thoughts that he's saying to himself are very different than Beth's. So if you pay attention, what Mike's saying to himself is, well, it's not really his fault. It's really, you know, he didn't have enough rest. So he's not got the right resting. That could be the coach's fault, could be his fault, could be whatever. But it's it's something outside of him. It's not definitely, you know, it's temporary. He's already talking about the, thinking about how he's going to change it for the next time because it's specific to this day. So he's saying it's specific to this and it's specific to this 200 freestyle. It's not a permanent situation. So he's given himself a lot of room for improvement, and so. What most likely will happen is when they go to their next events, Mike will be able to move on and perform just fine in his 400 IM, whereas Beth, whatever event she's got next, it's probably going to be a little tougher for her. And, then, and going forward is going to be harder for her in practice, at meets, et cetera, because she's starting to write herself a script, which isn't giving herself a lot of room to grow. I did research years ago with athletes, with swimmers in particular, and giving them negative feedback after a race and seeing who persists because that's really what it comes down to is telling yourself things that are going to enable you to persist because in life you need that grit. You need to have persistence. And so what we find is the thoughts that we tell ourselves, those stories, those scripts we set up, they're going to affect whether or not we're going to persevere or whether we're going to give up because we've set it up to be too big. If we put a boulder in our way, we're probably going to push on it for a little while, but then we're going to get exhausted and we may stop. Whereas if we put a pebble in our way, we're going to step over it. And if we even see it, we may not even notice it. We're just going to keep moving forward. And we get to decide what size the rock is that, that you put in front of yourself. With the swimmers that I worked with, the people that had high self-efficacy, the people that believed in themselves, the people that believed that they had abilities in swimming in this specific activity, that they had that self-belief, they were much more likely to do well after the negative feedback than the people who said... I'm not sure how I'm going to do. I'm not so sure what I believe about my abilities in swimming. It wasn't that they had such low beliefs. It's just their beliefs were not as high as the other group. And so the group who didn't have as high of a self-efficacy, guess what happened when they got the negative feedback? It affected them because their beliefs in themselves were not strong enough to help them persist. They couldn't push that small rock out of the way. It felt like a boulder to them. So what we all need to do is be aware of our thoughts and what we're setting ourselves up for. What kind of feedback are we giving to ourselves by by our thoughts? When you think about feedback, you know, feedback, how we give feedback to people, you know, in sports you get feedback because you win, you lose. In, in timed sports, you know, you get a time. in subjective sports, you know, you have a ranking, you know, in gymnastics, they get their scores that way. At work, you get reviews. So we have all these different types of feedback and some of them are objective and some of them are subjective. But one of the other ways we get feedback is by talking, whether it's talking to a teacher, talking to a boss, talking to somebody you're in a relationship with, you know, we get feedback from people about ourselves. And if you stop for a moment and think about it, it's really interesting because oftentimes the feedback, the way we give feedback to other people is very different in some cases than the way we give feedback to ourselves. We tend to be very supportive in our feedback to other people. And I know for myself, you know, being a teacher for many, many years, I always try and make, and a coach, because I've coached for many years as well, that when I'm trying to give feedback, I'm giving feedback in a way that is constructive. So I'm always trying to give people positive feedback in the sense of these are the things that are working well for you. And here's the challenges and where we need some more work. And that is a very different experience than just giving somebody negative feedback where they don't see anything they're doing right. They're only hearing what they're doing wrong. And so I challenge you to take a look at the way you give feedback to other people and the way you give feedback to yourself. Are you as kind to yourself as you are to other people? I hope so. I hope so. But think about that. It's something to take a look at. But just to sum it up today for the, you know, to have healthy thinking. You really need to be aware of where all those thoughts are going, not every single one of them because then you'll just create so many, (laughs) but you want to be paying attention to what your thoughts are setting you up for because words in general have power. They have energy and those, the energy can bring you to high vibration low vibration. So you always want to take the high road. At least I do. I like to try that. I like to take that high road. I do my best that I can to stay there. So even though we can't see our thoughts or other people's thoughts, as far as in a specific place, they have a profound effect on our emotions, on our health and well-being. So we want to make sure that we are aware of them and that we are using them to create the life that we want to live because those thoughts are going to create your life. So choose them wisely. And at this point, I love this part. We're going to head over to the Sparks of Wisdom, and my daughter is going to sing for us before we get into the Sparks of Wisdom. Sparks of Wisdom, oh, 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 oh. Sparks of Wisdom, oh, 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 oh. Our thoughts are extremely powerful. So, rather than leaving it up to chance or some old automatic script that may be running through your conscious or your subconscious, be sure to create thoughts that are in alignment with who you are and where you want to go. Thanks for joining me on this episode. For more information, stop on over at drkimberlyann.com. And as always, be you be love, and be present.